0: Hey, everybody, how are you tonight? Good. Well, thank you. Jeez, I'm just showered with gifts up here. I um, want to make the most of our time, and so I want to get right into the Word, get in your Word, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the bones of Joseph. Now, some of you may or may not know about the bones of Joseph, but they were around a long time before they were actually buried, so uh, that's significant, and so I want to share with you some of those significances about it but Hebrews 11:22 says by faith Joseph when he was dying made mention of the departure of the children of Israel so understand something that Israel didn't depart Egypt for 139 years after Joseph died so it wasn't like they were about to leave when Joseph was dying Joseph spoke by faith because he had the promises in his spirit, and he told Israel that you're going to leave Egypt, and he gave instructions concerning his bones. He basically said to them, when you go, carry my bones from Egypt. Don't let them bury me here. Now, that's very vital that we understand what the significance was on that because the ones that carried Joseph's bones out of Egypt were not Joseph's brothers because they were long dead. They were the, the descendants of Joseph. So when they left Egypt, how many know that Israel went into the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. For 40 years, they carried around the bag of bones. Okay, they didn't let it, they didn't bury them. They carried them. For 40 years then how many know after 40 years they went into the promised land and what where did they what did they cross to get to the promised land it was a river by the name of the Jordan and what was the first city that they conquered Jericho and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down but they didn't bury Joseph's bones on the other side of the Jordan as a matter of fact if you read the Bible. It says that after Israel conquered 32 kings and Joshua was about to die, in Joshua chapter 24, he gave instructions and said, I want you now to take the bones of Joseph and put them in the sepulcher of Abraham. Now that's significant because the bones could not find rest until the promise was fulfilled. So what does that mean to you and me? If this is my last sermon I'll ever preach, and I don't know that, but I leave to you tonight this admonition that bones speak of Joseph's faith in God's promise. And he said to the generations nearly four and a half generations later that you are to take these promises so that when you come into the fulfillment of the promises, you would have had a structure to build your life upon. Notice something about bones. Your bones literally hold up your body and keep it from collapsing to the ground. Now, the other day I was in a doctor's office, and he went to some of my MRI images or something of my body, and he said, "Come over here. And take a look at this." <laughs> and and it was a skeleton, and it was me. I mean, it was like really weird. It showed my rib cage, my spine, my hips. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he kept turning it around, and he's pointing at things. And I'm like, well, that's, that's my bones. But you know, my bones, my structure, are what's causing me to stand up tonight before you. If I didn't have those bones, I would be a heap of flesh. Lying on the ground. But what else about your bones? They protect your internal organs. Think about it. Joseph said, take my bones with you. Take the structure of his promises. They protect your internal organs. Your bones keep your organs safe from impact, punctures, and other forms of injury. But this is the most significant of all. Your bones produce your blood cells. Certain types of bones make your platelets, red blood cells, and white blood cells. These cells are made inside of your bones. Platelets help your blood clot. Red blood cells deliver oxygen to your organs. And white blood cells help fight off infection. Say this with me. Your life is in the bones. If your life is in the bones, we understand that the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the bones of Joseph are speaking to us that if you're going to have life in the kingdom, you're going to have to have a structure, the bones of the promises of God operating in our life now let's go to genesis 50 and 25 and i'll try to get through this as quick as i can tonight joseph took an oath from the children of israel saying god will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here so he postponed his internment until the covenant promises were fulfilled why You have to ask the question, why? How many know he had two sons? What were their names? Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim. And those two sons were born where? In Egypt. So they were half Egyptian and half Hebrew. And Joseph said to his sons and to the generations that would follow him, Don't leave my bones here, but don't, I mean, bury me in the promised land. He was saying to Manasseh and Ephraim, because they were half Egypt, don't bury me in Egypt, because my sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, might have stayed in Egypt. Don't stay in Egypt, but be transformed, and transferred into the promises of God. See, in this world, there are tendencies for Christians to stay in the world rather than to go into the promises of God. And so, like Manasseh and Ephraim, we who go before them have to declare to generations that follow, take our bones with you. In other words, take our faith with you. Take our convictions with you. The tendency in the kingdom of God has been first generation on fire for Jesus, second generation on fire sometime Third generation, no fire. Fourth generation, need to get fired up again. It is cyclical, but it's not supposed to be. The first generation's bones need to be carried by the second generation, and the second generation needs to carry those bones to the third generation. Remember, it was 179 years before Joseph's bones were buried meaning four generations of 40 years, has transpired before they put them in the ground. We have a spiritual duty to carry the bones of our forefathers. For those who had convictions about sin, for those that lived right, loved everybody, and prayed hard, I got to take with me because it's vital to the kingdom of God. Your best possession, Joseph was saying, is not going to be bequeathed to you in Egypt. Your best possession will be bequeathed to you in the promised land. My bones will charge you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let my bones tempt you towards Canaan. This is a message for us today so that we can ensure the ongoing revival in America. Because America needs revival. The nations need revival. But I believe the lack of revival is because we have left the bones buried in the world. They're not significant to us, the promises of God. Exodus 13 and 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children under Israel, under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Now, you can imagine for 40 years, Moses took those bones with him when they left Egypt, and I don't know whose turn it was to carry the bag of bones that day, but for 40 years, somebody carried them. It was a reminder of where they had come from. Joseph was the promised son. He wore the coat of many colors. He saw visions of God's grandeur. His brothers nearly tried to kill him. They put him in a pit. They sold him off to slavery, but he rose up. You know the story of Joseph powerful. When his brothers were revealed to them during a great famine, Joseph didn't have them murdered or punished, but rather he said, what you did, God, the enemy uh, meant for evil, but God meant it for good, that, that I was here to be a person that will save you in the future. It's a type of Jesus. It is, our, it is our promise that God has given to us. These bones will not be buried when they entered the land of promise, but not till Joshua 24 and 32. Check it out. What is the significance of these bones? Go to Ezekiel 17 and 1. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valleys, and it was full of bones. It's significant. The valley of dry bones, why were they dry? The Holy Spirit is continuing to teach something here that it was the Joseph's bones, the promises of God that were to a generation that they must not drop, they must not leave, they must carry with them. It must be what upholds them and gives them life and gives them structure. If you lose your bone system, your skeletal system, you die. And here we have in Ezekiel a valley full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? God was asking the prophet the question, can they live? And the prophet simply responded and said, O oh Lord God, you know. So God asked him again, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now we see a connection, dryness of bone, the structure, the promise that God gave us, like an unto Joseph that was carried with the nation of Israel for four generations into the promised land. These bones had become dry, Why were they dry? Because there was a lack of prophecy, lack of speaking the word to the bones. Your words are the moisture, if you will. It is the additive to the bones that bring them back to life. So the structure that you've been given, you have to take your words and prophesy to that structure. Prophesy to those promises to declare that they shall come to pass. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what people think. Doesn't matter what people are doing. I know what the word of the Lord has declared. I will speak the word of the Lord and these dry bones shall live. So what happens? Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you. You shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you will know that I am the Lord. The connection between the dry bones in the valley and God instructing the prophet to speak to the bones is what brings back to life The promise. Our mouth was not created for grumbling and complaining. Our mouth was created for ruling and reigning. And if you're walking around grumbling and complaining, you're walking through a valley of dry bones. And there's nothing you can do about it other than prophesy to those bones. What's interesting is our spirit, spirit has been made brand new in Jesus. We have a soul that we have to contend with and a body we have to contend with. But our spirit is perfect. And someone said it this morning. I forget who. Someone was telling me about it. We've got to get to the point where our emotions, our circumstances all bow down to our spirit. We don't bow down to them because we have the Lordship of Christ operating in our life. Speaking speaking to the bones is what brings back the promises, the life of the promises. No voice causes dryness in the bones. The marrow in the bones is where the blood is produced. And the Bible said the life, say it with me, the life is what? In the blood. Jesus said, I've come to give you Life and more abundantly. The life is where? In the blood. Where's the blood? In the bones. But if we're not speaking the word, speaking, prophesying to the bones, there is dryness in the bones. And so today we have more than ever need to get our confessions right we need to speak the word of the Lord over a nation, over a people, over marriages, over our children, and declaring what God said to be true. Can these bones live? Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is the promises of God activated in one's life that will redeem your soul, your what? Mind, your will, and your emotions. Check them under the Spirit. My soul's not leading me. My mind doesn't lead me. My emotions don't lead me. My Spirit leads me. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we speak the word of the Lord. The promises of God were represented in the bones of Joseph. Now Paul wrote and said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, this earthly house, our tent. Have you ever tried to put up a tent without a structure? You know what kids do? They get the chairs from the dining room they get uh, a clothes basket turned upside down. Whatever they can to lay the blanket over in order to make a tent. Why? Because you can't have a tent without a structure. Our bodies, our bodies are merely a tent. In other words, there is a structure that holds our body upright. The The body of Christ has a structure like a tent that is 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 uh, uh, uncovered, and then the covering is laid over that uh, those those wires. And what it does is it gives us a place to hide. It gives us a covering. Without the structure, the tent doesn't stand up. So here is the significance for you and me as a Christian. Without the structure of God's promises spoken to those promises to bring the bones alive we have no life i don't know how many christians i've met that walk around totally depressed how can you be depressed when you have the king living inside well you don't know the problems i have make them problems bow to your spirit you say, well, how do I do that? You declare to them the promises of God. Can these bones live? Amen, they can live. The promises of God were are representing the bones of Joseph. They remind us to carry them with us. But Ezekiel helps us understand we have to speak the promises to the structure in which we live and move and have our being. The problem is, Israel kept looking back. What are we doing out here? We don't even have any water to drink. There's no food to eat. At least back in Egypt, we had leeks, we had cucumbers, we had our houses. Yeah, we were slaves, but that's okay. We had more than enough to eat. Let's go back to Egypt. Do you remember that story? What does it represent to us? It represents to us a people who were grumbling and complaining. Who were walking with no structure. Who were walking with not the promises of God, but their own circumstance ruling and reigning in their life. And it reminds me of a woman in the Bible. I don't even know her name. What was her name? I don't know. She was Lot's wife. That's all I know. Baba doesn't even give her a name, just Lot's wife. But did you know that's the only woman, to my understanding and knowledge, that Jesus ever said to remember? He didn't say, remember Mary that poured out the anointing on me. He didn't say that. He said, remember Lot's wife. So I'm thinking, why is that important? Why would Jesus say, remember Lot's wife? What did she do when she was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah? She did what? Two things that steal away the life of God in us. Number one, is failure to prophesy to our bones. Number two, looking back from where we came. They were clearly instructed in Genesis 19 and 17, don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Joseph didn't want his sons to look back. That's why he said, take me with you. Look back in the Hebrew means this, look back with a desire to go back. It's not just looking back at the life that you used to live, it's looking back saying, I want to go back to those drunken nights. I want to go back to that whoring around. I want to go back to those highs. I want to go back to that life. That life, Bubba, just about killed you. And you want to go back to it? But it's this looking back attitude. Her attachment, watch this, to the past, was stronger than her commitment to the future. She had a stronger commitment to what she was than to the future of what God said she would become. Where's your commitment tonight? I'm committed to become what God said I will be. God said, don't look back at what I'm finished with. I'm done with Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm done with your previous life. You've been saved. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Don't you look back. God's finished with it. There's nothing back there for you. You go back there as an illusion. You'll find nothing. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. God said, don't look back at what I'm delivering you from. What has he delivered you from? Don't look back at it. Don't look back. Look to the future of heaven. She desired more what she was leaving than what God had planned. We're living in a generation of Christianity today that is looking back and more interested in what I'm leaving than what God has promised for me to become. Let me let you out of here. 2 Kings 13, 20 and 22, there was some other bones in the Bible. Elisha's. How many know who Elisha was? He had a double anointing, right? He was a servant to Elisha. He's the one that poured water on the hands of Elisha. He had double anointing, but he got sick and he died. That's what the Bible says. 2 Kings 13 and verse 20, then Elijah died, and they buried him in the raiding bands from Moab, invited the land in the spring of the invaded the land in the spring of the year. Now, Moab, who was Moab? Anybody know who Moabites were and the Ammonites? They were the daughters of Lot's wife and him, their marriage, those two daughters who had sex with their father. Got him drunk. I know it, but it's in the Bible, so whatever. But they did. And they got pregnant. And they had the Ammonites and the Moabites. But they were pagan. They didn't honor God. And they constantly harassed Israel. They hated Israel. Now Elijah dies. They buried him. And raiding bands from Moab is invading the land in the spring of the year. And as they were burying the man... Suddenly they spied a band of raiders, Moabites coming. And they said, oh man, the Moabites are coming. So they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. Here, throw him in here. They threw him in there. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, everybody say, touch the bones. He revived and stood on his feet ezekiel 37 in other words it wasn't the power that was in the bones of elisha i know people preach that all the time there was so much power in Elijah's bones when he touched the bones the man raised up hallelujah It makes for good preaching, but it may not be exactly accurate. The reason was to remind the nation of Israel of the prophecies of Elisha, which had not yet come to pass, to remind them of his power and promise. His bones, like Joseph, was a reminder to the promises of God of what he will do with the nation. These bones, this structure, these promises, this prophesying to those bones, this raising this dead man is a sign to you. It is a pointing to say that the promises of God are still on their way. Don't get discouraged tonight. Don't put your head down. Square your shoulders. Stand upright. You are kingdom people And the bones of Joseph are still with us. Elisha's life and words are still active. They're still bringing to life to people who have died. It is the promises of God. Ezekiel was instructed to prophesy to these bones. Speak the promises to the structure of the word. May our bones or our lives speak to the next generation. Take our bones with you wherever you are going. For the moment you leave me behind, you leave the promises of God behind. That's what Joseph was saying. You cannot go forward with me in Egypt you won't go forward. That's why we have to know the word and we have to speak the word and we have to declare the word. And if you're under attack today, let the bones speak to the promises of God in your life. Whether you're sick, whether you're depressed, whether you're fighting addiction, doesn't matter what it is. It's got to bow. It has to bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But you've got to get the persuasion in your spirit. You've got to get your fight back. You've got to pick up that bag of bones and know that life is in the blood. And they won't come to life until you declare it to be so. Speak it, church. The house of God ought to be the most faith-filled atmosphere anywhere, anytime. It ought to be when you walk in and be like, bah, 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 faith, 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 faith. Oh, God's going to heal. God's going to heal. God's going to heal. Oh, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. That's all you should hear in the restroom, in the foyer. It ought not to be about the pastor and what he didn't do and how he should be doing that and deacon so-and-so. And I don't know why they got to sing so many songs and all of those kind of nonsensical things that we say the reason why we're still in a valley of dry bones is because we are mouths are full of you fill in the blank (laughs) I don't care what you put in there but it's not the word it's not the word so let me say this. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. I'm saying this to you tonight. There has been these modern revelations. Oh, I remember old church back then. You know, when they didn't drink or smoke or when they didn't party or go dancing and clubbing. I remember that was so legalistic. But we're now more modern in our church. We're more modern. Actually, we, we don't mind at all. Oh, I I I know what the Bible says about marriage, but I mean, come on. Cultures change things. We have to kind of adapt to the culture. See, we 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 have left the bones of our forefathers in the past. And walked away from the Maybe, maybe, just do this. Just maybe investigate why they believed what they did. Did it come because that's what they were taught? Or did it come because they had conviction of the Holy Spirit? And if they had conviction of the Holy Spirit, then you ought to consider the fact that that might have been God. And if it was God and you let them convictions go, now you're living a life apart from the bones. You follow what I'm saying? So I sign off tonight, whether it be the last message I ever preach here or not. If you see me the next time in a box at the front of the church, and they're singing Kumbaya or whatever they sing, (laughs) just remember... Take my bones with you. Amen. Take my bones. Take my bones with you. Don't leave me here in Lorraine. No, no, don't you leave me here. You take me with you. And don't bury me until we get over there. The north side. I see you on the north side. When we all get to heaven, amen, what a day that will be, right? We're going to celebrate together, but not till we get there. All the kings destroyed. All the land divided up among the tribes. Joseph finally tells, I mean, Joshua finally says, okay, bury him. It's over. And one day it's going to be over. I like that old song. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. I'll sing and shout the victory. When we all get there, I want you to come. Bow your heads with me, just for a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, help us tonight. I pray that we would not allow ourselves to allow Egypt to influence us, whether we're Manasseh and Ephraim or we're a generation that followed, but rather we would follow the course of the promises of God, the structure that's been handed to us from the apostles and the prophets, from Jesus himself, that we would conform not to our image or the world's, but rather yours. We hunger and thirst for righteousness tonight, God. That's what we want. We want you. We want you, Father. Now, Lord God, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building tonight that they would, Father, be touched by the Spirit of the Lord and that they might know you and the power of your resurrection. For those that may be watching by live stream, I speak to you tonight and say that God has a plan for your life, He has a wonderful plan. It begins with you understanding that sin is a roadblock. You have to ask Him to forgive you of the sin that you've committed. You confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead and your sins will be remitted. But that's just the beginning place. Now you're on a journey and you're leaving this world and you're traversing to the promises of God. And someday... We'll be in heaven together. Why don't you start that journey tonight? Why don't you ask Christ to forgive you? Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Here at Church on the North Coast, I know there'll be a lot of people that will want to pray with you, help you, disciple you, walk with you to teach you the word of the Lord and how to prophesy, how to speak to the bones in your life. But you have to call. Call 960-1100. 440-960-1100. 440 960 Talk to one of the pastors and say, I gave my life to Jesus. I want to know more about the promises of God. Can someone help me? They'll help you. And you'll be so happy. You'll be so thankful because God will meet you in a mighty way. He will meet you. So stand with me, church, tonight. It's 828. I was told to be done by 830. I got, I got 120 seconds and I'm going to use them all. I won't sing anymore don't worry I just feel it I have to sing it you know it just happens I can't help it but everybody lift your hands to the Lord please up high to the Lord I want you to lift him as high as you can now I want you to look around watch this now lift them higher did you notice I asked you to lift them as high as you can and then when I said higher it went up about six inches Oh, we could do more for God, right? Yeah. Come on, lift them up to Jesus. Wave before him. Say, Father, I love you, and I thank you tonight for all that you've done and all that you are, and we bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Libra, I love everybody. Pray hard. Come on, give somebody a high five.